Hi, this is Elliot Fishman, and welcome to part three of three on small bowel tumors. And let's start with lymphoma. Lymphoma is the third most common small bowel malignancy. In thinking about the GI tract, the stomach is the most commonly involved organ. The distal ileum has the greatest amount of lymphoid tissue, so it's the most common area of small bowel involvement. Most cases are non-Hodgkin's B-cell lymphoma. T-cell lymphoma also occurs, but it's commonly associated with celiac disease and most commonly occurs in jejunum. Some other things, the risk factors for small bowel lymphoma, AIDS, IBD, immunosuppression, post-organ transplant, lupus, chemotherapy, Epstein-Barr virus are all possibilities. In Western countries, B-cell lymphoma, malt lymphoma, is the most common subtype of small bowel lymphoma. T-cell lymphomas are much less common and occur with some of the risk factors we mentioned. Primary small bowel lymphoma, we said, was B-cell, again, distal ileum, and the appearance can be anything from subtle infiltration to aneurysmal dilatation to nodules, single or multiple, to a large ulcerating mass that's exoxenteric in appearance. Presentations are variable. This patient abdominal pain, this small bowel obstruction. We followed a small bowel downward, and we noticed that in the right lower quadrant by the terminal ileum, there's a soft tissue mass. When you look at the coronal view, that soft tissue mass is going into the cecum, or one can argue there's a cecal mass going into the ileum. But nevertheless, what do you think about? You could say, well, maybe this is a carcinoma of the cecum growing into the ileum. That doesn't happen all that commonly. You know, when something crosses the cecum and ileum at that ileocecal valve level, you got to be thinking about lymphoma. And this was lymphoma. A very, very nice example. This case also makes the point why water is such a good contrast agent. You can see the enhancement, although it's not significant, of the mass and it stands out really nicely against the fluid-filled bowel. Very, very nice example. Same case, we look at the cinematic rendering. Water tends to be red. You see the transition right lower quadrant. You see the soft tissue mass. Another patient, chest pain, rule out the section. There's a mass involving the left and right atrium. This was lymphoma. That's what you're thinking about. I guess you could think about angiosarcoma as well. And here you can see it nicely on the coronal views. But then when you scan the patient's abdomen, there's a large mass in the right lower quadrant. So now you say small bowel tumor, involvement of the heart, classic for lymphoma in an immunosuppressed patient involving solid organs, very nicely seen. And you also see in this case the ulceration of the primary tumor, although there's no small bowel obstruction. Now, these B-cell lymphomas can get really large as an HIV patient. It's hard to tell where the small bowel begins and ends. This is all ulceration of the patient's small bowel with extensive tumor and tumor infiltration present. The patient's tumor with vascular involvement on the arterial and venous side, splenic vein, splenic artery, all of it nicely seen. The ileocolic vessels also involved. And here's just a good example of showing you that with a sandwich sign where you can see the lymphoma infiltrates along the vessels. You can see that in the coronal display very nicely. And that's pretty much classic for lymphoma. And that sandwich sign is a really good description and very nice infiltration. Same patient with cinematic rendering. Again, that mass in the mesentery. It's not like you have multiple discrete nodes. It's best defined as an infiltrating tumor in the mesentery. 
nicely extending along the vessels and then when you look from above it's growing straight down solid mild bowel dilatation but no obstruction so just a very nice example now lymphoma is also one of the things that can intersuscept when I see multiple intersusceptions, I'm always thinking lymphoma. You can see it very nicely here. Neoplasms account for about 70% of intersusceptions in adults. Adult intersusception is usually caused by benign neoplasms, but, but this large bowel is usually caused by malignancies. Intersusceptions can be due to congenital things like meckles or tumors, be it benign or malignant, including inflammatory polyps, lipoma, and Pucciagers as well as malignancies like adenocarcinoma, lymphoma, metastasis, as well as processes like celiac and Crohn's. Now, malignant tumors cause 30% of intersusceptions in the small bowel. Adenocarcinoma is the most common pathology of small bowel intersusceptions. But again, just uh, tumors do occur. Metastasis small bowel occur also in melanoma, as well as lung cancer, breast, and renal cell carcinoma. So examples, here's a patient with abdominal pain. To the right of midline, there's a large mass intersuscepting. That was melanoma. Melanoma, often you don't even know the patient had melanoma, but melanoma is one of the most common causes of small bowel metastasis, including intersusceptions, which is nicely shown in this example. And here's just a few more images showing that very nicely. And there's the intersusception right there. This patient had Putz-Jaeger syndrome. You have a polypoid lesion. It's hard to see the polyp, but a beautiful coronal view of the intersusception, the dragging of the mesenteric vessels down. And here's a few more reconstructions showing that. And then here's some of the cinematics. So just a beautiful set of images. And here's one more set showing you the intersusception in the proximal ilium, very nicely defined. And this intersusception was intermittent, but was causing the patient's symptoms. Now, CT has gotten very good for looking at bowel. What else can you do? You can do capsule endoscopy. Requires lots of images, but in the beginning, it was 100% sensitive, 100% specific. It's no longer that. The problem often is you can miss tumors due to improper bowel prep, poor transit time. You can miss bleeds. You can have capsule retention. So this patient who had a history of a Merkel cell tumor, I read this as recurrence and small bowel obstruction, but anyway, someone gave a camera and you could see the cameras obstructing the bowel. And so one thing we know is before you do endoscopy, capsule endoscopy, you need to make certain the patient doesn't have adhesions or bowel obstruction. So often the CT is done anyway. In cases of occult bleeding, if you can't find anything, then a capsule would be worthwhile. But again, it's a lot of false positives and false negatives. And again, just a very nice look at the capsule. Now, we wrote this article many years ago. Small bowel metastases are characterized by type of spread, intraperitoneal seeding, hematogenous, and local spread. We're trying to rewrite it 20 years later, 30 years later. But when you talk about METS, I showed you melanoma, but melanoma, lung cancer, ovarian cancer, carcinoid, and colon are all common things. And when you have spread, it's really by three patterns intraperitoneal spread, hematogenous, and direct extension. And so if you want to say what are the poster childs, intraperitoneal is ovarian cancer, but also appendix and colon, pseudomyxoma peritonea, I think of that. 
hematogenous mets, lung, breast, melanoma, renal cell, and direct extension. Think about pancreatic cancer involving duodenum or distal duodenum or biliary or colon cancers. A nice example here, synovial sarcoma, widespread liver mets, ascites, and then we scan downward there are dilated bowel loops and there are multiple intussusceptions. Very nicely seen. And this patient's tumor were the lead points for the intussusception. You can see there are multiple small bowel tumors present, which are enhancing, but it was the one in the right lower quadrant that was earliest and the one that presented with the patient's intussusception. But just a beautiful view of multiple meds. Now we talk about duodenum. This is a patient who had GI bleeding, who had a history of renal cell carcinoma, there's a one centimeter vascular lesion in the duodenum. That's a 10-year-old uh, recurrent spot, okay? Beautiful example of that. And you can see it well, well in the coronal views especially. We talk about multiple lesions. Here's melanoma metastatic to small bowel with ulcerations. You can see the ulcerations, particularly proximally very extensive involvement by the metastasis. Or in this example, um, I thought this might be a gist tumor, a large mass that was sent to pancreatic conference. This ended up being metastatic melanoma. There were dilated ducts, there was a large mass. The problem is, is it doesn't look quite look like pancreatic cancer, so that's why I thought about a gist tumor. I showed you examples before. We even could have thought about an unusual neuroendocrine since this wasn't vascular but this was metastatic melanoma. So again, something to think about. And if you think you're never gonna see a case again, a few months later, here's another case, large mass. Again, think duodenum, think pancreas. But what is this? You can see it has some high density. Maybe it's necrotic, maybe there's some blood in it. Felt not to be pancreas. You can see the extent of involvement around the SMA and SMV. And this was metastatic melanoma. So again, metastatic melanoma is a great mimicker, and METs in general are great mimickers, but you can see uh, the situation here. This article by Megan Lee made the point that as patients live longer, we will see more METs. The average time from diagnosis of primary malignancy or emission to, to metastasis are seven to eight years. So it's not like you're gonna see this right away. The patient's primary tumor may be a distant memory, but it's something you need to look at. Metastasis of small bowel often occur many years after the initial diagnosis. Attention is particularly important in melanoma patients. As oncology patients undergo numerous surveillance scans, you need to look at the bowel very carefully. And that becomes very, very important. Further work is needed to optimize the detection of METs to the bowel mucosa on CT and their management. So that becomes important. Now some examples about how subtle Look at the patient's duodenum, second portion. If you look hard, there's an enhancing lesion. Let me circle it for you. You see it now? Maybe you don't believe me. I'll circle it again. You see that mass, about two centimeters or less, right in the second to third portion of duodenum? Here it is in coronal views. I think the coronal, you see it a bit better, but it's mainly inside into the lumen from the wall. Just a beautiful example, again, showing you that lesion. That was metastatic melanoma. Here it is with the uh, cinematic rendering, which makes it more obvious. But I think the point here is that METs are often under-recognized, 
undervalued and totally missed. But you can see they are makeable. Now, sometimes the patient has vague abdominal pain. Sometimes they have GI bleeding. Sometimes they just have a routine follow-up. So you indeed need to be very, very careful. And here's just another set of showing you that imaging of the mass in the duodenum. This patient had breast cancer. Abdominal pain, GI bleed. You see the jejunum? Now, it, you look at it, it almost looks like colon not distended on the axials. Then you realize the colon is next to it. You look at the reconstructions, and at first you say, oh my goodness, it's thickened descending colon. That actually is a jejunum, which you can see very nicely here, the colon's to the right of it. And that is simply the patient's primary tumor. So again, things can be very subtle. Uh, you can use positive contrast, that may prove helpful. Most people use water in this scenario, but you can see some of the challenges because it's very easy to walk by tumors because often the tumors are very large and very extensive. And here's just one more invasion. Now I mentioned about direct extension, and so direct extension is probably best shown in this case by a mass in the tail of the pancreas, which invades uh, the uh, duodenum, causing duodenal dilatation obstruction. Very nicely shown in the coronal view, very nicely shown on the 3D rendering, and very nicely shown in the cinematic with a mass of solid abutting the red fluid in the patient's bowel. So again, you can see METs can be variable. Pancreatic cancer invades duodenum, second portion, as well as the tail by ligament of trites. Carcinomatosis, think ovarian, think tumors that give that peritoneal seating. That becomes very important. And here's again some three-dimensional images. So we've gone through a number of different things. We've spoken about the importance of technique, both in terms of bowel opacification with positive and neutral agents, as well as the importance of using multiplanar and 3D imaging. We talked about the opportunity now we have for picking up tumors that were missed in the past that often were symptomatic in the patients, or if we picked them up, we picked them up too late, so we can do better there. Again, scan protocols are critical. Post-processing is critical, and recognizing how lesions look, what's their classic appearance, is not always going to make you right, but you're going to be right most of the time. And with that, I hope you enjoyed this three-part series on small bowel tumors. Have a great day. If you liked what you heard here today, please make sure to hit that subscribe button and visit our website, ctss.com, for lectures, quizzes, pearls, and more. Also, be sure to check out our apps that are available for free on the Apple Store. All links are in the description box below.